uh, as we uh, jump into our word for this morning. I just want to kind of give us something to think about and something to uh, meditate on while we're hearing uh, God's word, his preached word uh, into our hearts and our minds. Uh, that the thought that I'd like you to just kind of think upon is, uh, have you ever, 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 or are you holding on to something? Have you ever, 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 or are you holding on to something that it's hard for you to let it go? It's hard for you to forgive. And so you keep just kind of holding on to that thing. So I believe the Lord wants to speak to our heart about the beauty of letting go. The beauty of letting go. If you have your scriptures, your Bible, I'd ask you to turn with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 18, verse 21 and 22. Uh, because the uh, disciple, apostle Peter, uh, asked this question of Jesus uh, in this particular passage that we're going to be reflecting on today in verse 21 and 22. And here's what it reads. And then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Let's pray. Father God, we pray your blessings over your word today. May it do what you intended it to do. Speak mightily to us, Father. In Jesus' mighty name we do pray. Amen. And so Peter is talking with Jesus about forgiveness, and maybe Peter was going through a particular situation or scenario, and he was trying to figure it out, so he changed to turn to Jesus, and he asked him, how often? When is it enough? When they treat us over and over and over again wrongly, how often should we forgive? And so I believe Jesus was saying, forgive as many times as it takes to do it over and over and over again. Never tire of it. Be willing to forgive. And so Jesus takes a moment to give him, uh, Peter and maybe others, a story. And so Jesus talks about uh, what it means in the kingdom of God to forgive. And so in verse 23 to 25, he begins to speak like this. He says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. We don't know that's a whole lot of money. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had. Do you know that we can never pay the sin debt that we owe to God? And that payment be made. The servant, therefore, fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant was moved 
with compassion, released him, and forgave him the debt. See, I believe Jesus shared that with him to say that's the very same thing that through the blood that Christ would share on the cross of Calvary, that God forgave all of our debt. And that he was willing to send his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him would not perish, but have everlasting life, wouldn't be sold, wouldn't be a slave to sin, but would be forgiven all. So what is forgiveness? See, when we think about that word, it's defined as forgiveness is the act of pardoning an offender. The action or process of forgiving or being forgiven. In the Bible, the Greek word translated forgiveness literally means to let go. As when a person does not demand payment for a debt. Because of Christ, God no longer demands that payment of our sin debt. That was too large, too great, too big for us to pay. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of of God, we've fallen short. We're insufficient. We never have enough in and of ourselves. And so Jesus even used the, this comparison when he taught his disciples how to pray. And he gave us what we consider to be the model prayer. As we look in Luke 11, verse 4, it says, And forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us and do not lead us into temptation but deliver us from the evil one see there's this forgiveness going on no longer holding that debt towards others because of Christ and he no longer holds the debt that we owed and so we're not tempted we ask the Lord to not allow us to be tempted to sin and trespass against someone else, but not be tempted to hold it, not be tempted to hold on to it so that we're not delivered over to those evil, insatiable, overtaking thoughts and actions that can be the result of it. So what's unforgiveness? Says when you can't and you won't let it go, you still require a payment or for restitution to be made. See, someone said unforgiveness is like taking poison and expecting the other person to die. We're holding on to it so much it starts eating away at us. It starts decaying on the inside of us. And maybe that other person doesn't even know that they offended, they did something wrong. Maybe they're, you know, they're, they, they know it and they messed up and it's just some things that they're going on to and they've moved on, but we're still holding on to it. Corrie Ten Boom, the Dutch watchmaker and later the Christian writer and public speaker who survived the Holocaust and imprisonment, imprisonment in camps, said forgiveness is the key that unlocks the door of resentment and the handcuffs of hatred. That can so easily bind us. It is a power that breaks the chains of bitterness and the shackles of selfishness. 
Because some may think as they're as you're hearing this, Pastor, I'm just supposed to let people just walk all over me and let them treat me any way, any kind of way. See, one thing I've learned is that I have never, ever, ever been able to control someone else's actions. I've only, by the grace of God, been able to account for my own. So let me take some time to share what I think Jesus and our Father God wants us to know about this. Let me begin with what's the beauty of letting go. So I believe there's three key things that we can see in the beauty of letting it go, not holding on to it, forgiving. The first we can look at is in Matthew 6, verse 14 through 15. See, when we let go, we let God. When we let go, we let God. See, but when we don't let go, we're still holding on to it. Matthew 6, 14 through 15 says this, For if we forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. See, it's kind of, we, we kind of look at that verse and we say, well, hadn't God forgiven all? That's a true statement. But this parable is looking at this unforgiving servant that he's concluded in his heart and mind that he has the right to judge. He has the right to hold it. See, look with me also in Matthew 18, verse 32 through 35. It says this, Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, You wicked servant. See, this is after Jesus had talked to Peter, gave the parable of this man had been forgiven all of this great debt. And then that man went right out and uh, a servant that owed him, he, would, he refused to forgive the debt. He had him thrown into prison until he paid every cent, the servant that was forgiven so much, wouldn't forgive someone else. And so Jesus concludes with this parable with this statement. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. So my heavenly father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. That can be a little confusing. Like, wait a minute, I thought, I thought God forgave me. But now this is look like it's saying he won't if I don't forgive others. And so it's so important that I explain this. There's two key words there. The key words are trespasses and delivered. Hold on to that. Trespasses and delivered. See, sin is a violation of God's will or his law, while trespasses is an offense, a crossing a boundary. 
To trespass, it is to go beyond one's right by violating the boundary or a law. When we trespass on someone's property, we violate the physical boundaries they have in place. In a similar way, we trespass when we violate God's moral law or the rights of other people. The key part about trespassers is that Jesus, what he's talking about here in the Gospels, are speaking on it that we can offend, we can affect, and we can injure others by our trespasses. Yes, sin can be a trespass, but our sins are essentially against God, disobeying God's law, violating God's command, but our trespasses don't stop with God. They can be on others. They can affect others. As it applies to being unforgiving of others, we can hold or not let go of those offenses, those trespasses that's been done to us. In doing this, God so desires to have grace and mercy for the whole world for others but you know God is a just and a holy God and so when we get offended when we're hurt when we're holding things that affects God see let me explain it to you this way in the Old Testament trespasses is an Old Testament mosaic law required a trespass offering for them to be forgiven a trespass offering is a type of a sacrifice required for unintentional sins against the holy things of the Lord or against other people. The trespass offering was a ram without blemish that was given to the priest who burned it on the altar. altar. The offender had to confess the offense, make restitution, and pay a fine to the injured per party. The trespass offering was a way of expressing repentance and restoring fellowship with God and others. See, when we don't forgive, we are holding up the Old Testament law upon that person. We're saying, I still want restitution. I still want payment. And so Jesus was looking at him. He said, if you judge that way, you're deserving of the same judgment. See, there's an immutable law. Whatsoever man sows, that also he shall reap. When the debt or the trespass is removed off our ledger, off our hearts, God can justly remove our trespasses off his and others' ledgers. And he so desires to do that. 
to go back to that Greek word. You know, there's another Greek word most often translated for, tra for trespass. In the New Testament, it literally means a false step. It implies a falling away after being close beside. See, we're having this relationship with God and this relationship with others. And sometimes all of us have a false step. We stumble. We mess up. We offend. We injure. We hurt. Many times unintentionally, sometimes intentionally. It implies a falling away after being close beside. It is a, it is a tripping up, a deviation of course, a stumble away from the truth, or a falling over of some kind. Do you see how this can be each and every one of us at some point and sometime? See, James 3, 2 tells us this, for we all stumble in many ways. And if someone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, able also to bridle, bridle his whole body. See, we're made righteous in Christ. But because we're still in this natural, hungover body, those times of stumbling. And you know, God knows that. He sees the trespasses. He sees the intentional ones and non-intentional. He so desires and sent Christ to die for it all. And so he's speaking to our hearts that, you know, we don't want to hold those things. Require the trespass offering. Or in, in, it's also called a guilt offering. In the Old Testament, see, it was offered by those who realized they had inadvertently committed a sin. Or they were convicted of a sin. Remember David? That's what happened with David. He was convicted of all that what he had done with Bathsheba and her husband. And when the prophet Samuel came to him and spoke to him, it convicted his heart and he went before God. But you hear that key? The trespass offering was for those realized they had did something wrong whether intentionally or unintentionally and they went to God they asked for forgiveness they made restitution see it's never intended for in God's heart for us to require it to try to force people into it but to let it go and let him handle it See, there's some beauty in that. When we let go, we let God. And see, God knows how to meet each and every one of us right at our 
very breaking point of our need point to convict our hearts, to cause a transformation to happen on the inward man so that we would go running to him, laying it at the altar, and then as we have opportunity, go to others and make it right. God has forgiven all of your trespasses and sins for eternal purposes. But our trespasses, our missteps, our stumbles can still have temporal impact and consequences that trespass on and over others, which creates offenses. So now the child of God has a decision to make when they, when we have been offended, when we've been trespassed against. A decision to make when this happens to us. Either we hold it and be like the unforgiving ser- servant and be like the, wo- the one that's requiring others to pay it all when God has forgiven us all. Or to let it go. See, why is that so important? See, God is a just God. The process of forgiving others helps to enable God to not be so offended for you and I. You know, God gets offended for us. He doesn't miss any of that stuff. All of the afflictions and the pains, God sees it all. And it grieves his heart. He is acquainted with our sorrows. But just like Abraham and others petitioned God, God so wants us to be in a place of petitioning him for others. See, Jesus, even though he was being afflicted and persecuted and, and, and crucified on the cross, he looked down and he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. See, he let go and he let God. And he's asking us to do the same. See, this is hard to explain because each and every one of us have been hurt at times and been offended. But we're reminded that the one we offended the most forgave all for us. So our forgiving helps God to lavish his mercy and grace on us and on others. But there's another key word that's so important, that word delivered that we saw in in scripture that we see in the book of Matthew. Chapter 18, verse 34. And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. So my heavenly father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. See, when we do not forgive, 
and I want to be clear about this. God is angry and upset with the kind of behavior, the sin. Not us. He loves you. He loves us with an undying love. It does not mean that he has not forgiven you for all. But you're holding, and when we hold on to it, we are holding others to a different standard than God is holding us. So when we don't forgive, see that word delivers. God delivers. In other words, he's, to a certain extent, he steps back. He's saying, why would you judge others by the law. And so for these temporal purposes, you're falling under that same judgment. I'm delivering you under that same wrathful, angry retribution, revenge, So you'll know that's not me. And the requiring of that payment, the requiring of that restitution, the requiring of that seeking revenge is torturous. It's going to eat you up like cancer. It's going to destroy everything around you. Not you, not your eternal soul. God's justice is balanced. See, he's trying to get this across to us. Ours is not. We want people to pay things we're not willing to pay ourselves. We so want all of God's forgiveness and his grace and mercy. But when we hold on to that unforgiveness, we're, we're saying we don't want that for somebody else. Turn with me to the book of Mark, chapter 11, verse 25 and 26. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him. That your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. See, this is that reaping what you sow. But here's the letting go part of it. The beauty of letting go. See, in Deuteronomy 32, verse 35, it begins with this. Vengeance is mine. And recompense 
Their foot shall slip in due time. For the day of their calamity is at hand, and the things to come hasten upon them. So God is reminding us that vengeance is his. That he truly hates the destructive nature of sin and death. That he's going to correct it all. But look at that other part. And re- recompense. See, that's key, saints. That word recompense means repay, reward, restore. Remember I said God doesn't miss anything. When we let go and we let God, what we're saying is I'm not going to desire or hold on to the rewards of this world, of the copper of this world, but I'm going to let go and wait on God's reward. And see, that recompense, because he doesn't miss anything, because he sees all of those persecutions, all of those trials, he's going to reward you for them. He's going to restore. What the devil meant for your bad, God's going to turn it around for your good. Not only does vengeance belong to God, but recompense. God will sell all the accounts, and he wants to reward us for all the offense and trespasses against us. And some of your kids may be thinking, Mom and Dad, I just helped you get some great reward. <laughs> See, be reminded of this. Our ways is torturous. His way is perfect and rewarding. Paul spoke about this very verse in Romans 12, verse 17 through 19. He said, repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. Set it aside. Don't try to get yours. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. See, there was many times in in my life where the Lord was speaking to my heart on this very topic. And and people used to think, I've heard them say things like, you're a pushover. You let people walk all over you. Never, ever, ever seen God not reward over and over again. Because I didn't require the restitution. It was too heavy for me to hold on to. 
you know, you got to build up a whole lot of muscle to hold on to all those things. And I'm a light guy. I always been, I got thin bones. I can't handle a whole lot of weight. So let God handle it. Trust that his way is better than our way. So I said all that to get to that through that first point. Let go and let God. The next two are going to be a lot shorter than that. See, the second beauty of letting go is you get to demonstrate the character and love of your father. See, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, and the ESV says this, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. And how did he do that? In Colossians 2, verse 14, by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, I demand restitution. See, by Christ, God canceled the record of debt. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. this is what God did for us, why wouldn't we do it for someone else? And Luke 6, verse 35 and 36. But love your enemies. Do good to them. And lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great. And you will be the children of the Most High. Did you hear that? It didn't say that you're not a child. But now you get to demonstrate to the whole world that you're a child of God. They recognize it. You get to demonstrate the character and the love of God. Because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. And you probably could put everybody that came to mind that you thought about that you may have held on to in in one of those two categories. See, the ungrateful there is we as children of God, if you've accepted Christ, you know, we've been regenerated. But in this flesh, we can still be ungrateful at times. And the wicked is they don't know God. They haven't been regenerated. But he is kind to all he concludes with be merciful just as your father is merciful don't require them to pay the debt that they owe that's what mercy is us not getting what we deserve and the third point the third beauty of letting go is your reward will be great See, he said it in Luke 6 there. Then your reward will be great. We don't lose anything. When we let go of the natural reward, the human offense, we make way for the heavenly reward, the great reward. We don't settle for the copper of this world, but the silver and gold that God has for us. 
And I believe God spoke to my heart about how we look at this last passage of Scripture found in the book of Psalms, the 23rd chapter. See, it's talking about us following the shepherd who leads us. The shepherd being Jesus Christ who went to the cross, who was afflicted and abused, who was offended in many ways. But he spoke those words, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And as people that are called to be forgivers, that we walk in his forgiveness, and we walk in that forgiveness for others, it gives us a greater and a newer understanding of Psalms 23. See, it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. See, everything that we need comes from the shepherd. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. See, unforgiveness keeps the waters troubled. But when we forgive, when we walk the way our shepherd walks, we have green pastures and still waters. He restoreth my soul, those things that seem to break us and, and tear us apart. God is restoring them. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. We don't respond like the world, but we respond with the love of God. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. See, it's all around us. But it's not our strong tower. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. See, we know that we know that he didn't deliver us over to any of that wickedness. We can feel his comfort. We can trust his unchanging hand. And see, his rod protects us and his staff pulls us close to him and comes. And comforts us. Thou prepareth the table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointed my head with all my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. That's God's goodness and mercy, but that's also the goodness and mercy. That's in us. That as we go and we share that goodness and we walk in that mercy, you bring it with you everywhere you go. It follows you. Because you shared goodness. and You shared mercy. Somebody looked up. They sensed the presence of God. They sensed his, un his unending love. He says, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Saints of God, be the forgiver that God has called you to be and discover and experience the beauty of letting go with the Lord who is our shepherd. Let go and let God demonstrate the character and love of your father 
and receive the great reward. Don't settle for the copper of this world. And I guarantee you, guarantee you, it'll be so beautiful that you'll never, ever regret it. 